Thanks for stopping by In Goal Radio, the podcast, where, where blue paint is something you consider as a shade for the master bedroom. No, blue paint is our home. It's that comfy place that we stand, we kneel, we slide, and if necessary, we flip and we flop to keep that puck out. Blue paint is the place we all have in common on In Goal Radio, the podcast, presented by the Hockey Shop, source for sports, Surrey, at thehockeyshop.com. And before you make a purchase on anything goaltending related, Check them out in person or online. I'm Darren Millard, and today we are going to catch up with one of our good friends in the goaltending industry, the goaltending world. It's Maria Mountain, one of the world's leaders in goalie-specific off-ice training, which helps you on ice. Maria knows how to train. She understands the position because she took up the position. She is our go-to at in goal for everything fitness and Revcon conditioning and it only continues to blow up in the world of fitness as we bring in Kevin Woodley and David Hutchison, co-founders of InGoal Magazine. And today, this is a real treat. What is the angle with Maria, Hutch? What is the angle with Maria? Um, you know, when I started InGoal 10-ish years ago, uh, I, I was actually coming off fairly recently, uh, a lot of time in grad school, studying exercise physiology as a master's student and eventually a PhD student. And I thought, Maybe what I could add to the goaltending world, because I was terrified of all these online arguments over how you hold your glove and all these crazy things before Twitter existed. Um, I thought maybe the thing I could add was sports science and uh, to add that side of things. So I uh, did a little bit of reading uh, on the goaltending side to see how things might be a bit more specific in our area, because I was actually studying swimmers uh, in grad school. And, uh, and I stumbled upon Maria Mountain and quickly realized I didn't have a lot to offer the subject because she, uh, she knew it all and she was, she was doing it all. So uh, we had a few conversations and I think it's fair to say, uh, Kevin, that, that when we got going early in, in the early days of In Goal, I, I don't think we would still be here if Maria hadn't been a, a contributor to our, our early days. Yeah, no, um, she was did weekly columns for In Goal Magazine in the early days, and I think a lot of goalies probably probably mutually beneficial. Uh, she would say too, like uh, our audience, our audience grew uh, more eyeballs on what she was doing at a time when a lot of goalies were starting to realize, as we'll talk about with her, that hey, we play almost a different sport out there, so we need to train differently than the rest of the guys on the ice. And uh, she kind of led that way, and she's got some great programs, some free programs. Um, some programs that have kept me healthy over the past five years go from missing two or three stretches every season due to groin injuries to haven't had one knock on wood in the last three or four. Uh, it's just, she's, she's perfect. She's the best at this and, uh, the chance to really dig into it with her, everything from, you know, what age to start, um, what to do as an older goalie, how to get ready for a game. And we touched on everything with her and as usual, she was fantastic, uh, the energy she brings on the podcast is the energy she brings to her training uh, and to goaltending, and I think the goalie world's better for it. So pretty blessed to have had her in our lives at InGoal and pretty appreciative that she took so much time out to join us this week. Yeah, She's one of those people that just makes me smile. And and one of my biggest regrets uh, in, in the world of goaltending is not having met her or had the chance to connect with her when I was uh, when I was much younger because it just she helps you so much and motivates you so much so that's that conversation is coming up with Maria Mountain who's worked with uh, National Hockey League goaltenders uh, goaltenders at all levels but uh, really knows her stuff and is motivated by making each individual athlete better we start off though with our 
gear segment, Kevin, and uh, a little bit different uh, different take this year, uh, this week, as we uh, connect with our friends out at uh, Sorcerer Sports. Yeah, the hockey shop Sorcerer Sports in Surrey. It's where I go as a as a lower mainland Vancouver suburb resident for all my goaltending gear needs for the past decade. They're in my backyard, and that makes me lucky because I they're the best at what they do. Whether it's the world famous skate sharpening from Cecil. People come from all over the burbs, all over the lower mainland to get their edges uh, from him. They bring in multiple sets of steel. He does them all. They go home. They're good for a couple weeks. Then they bring them all back and get them done again. Uh, Down in the basement where we're going to visit Cam uh, again this week to talk about gear. They have a huge selection, all the top brands. And that's where where this week is different. Um, Whether it's in person at the store, Hockey Shop Sorcerer Sports, or at thehockeyshop.com, We've talked a lot and we do a lot of testing in Ingle with the highest level stuff, the the pro gear and which most of it's launching, the new eFlex 4 pads and gloves, skates and stick, uh, all coming out this week, April 26. But this week we want to talk about something that the next level down and that's sort of that second price point gear. Why is it less expensive and why should you buy it from the hockey shop? And Cam did a great job of sort of breaking it down. They don't just buy what everyone else buys. They've got enough buying power with the big brands to get special features added. And the features they they added to their next price point down of the Eflex 4 line, which is called the 4.9, they're the kind of things that as a goalie, you're going to appreciate. Whether a young goalie coming up or a beer leaguer, extra padding in the glove, a pro-level knee stack. You know, it's not just about graphics and things like that. It's about finding the features that matter to goalies and seeing how much influence they can use to have those those features extended down the lines to some of the lower price points. Um, that's what we're focused on this week when I caught up with Cam in the hockey shop. That's why you should go to the hockey shop source for sports in Surrey or the hockey shop.com because these are the type of buying decisions they make at the hockey shop and you're the goalies that benefit from it. So we had a chance to sit down with Cam and talk this week about the Eflex 4.9 line that'll be in stores and online this Friday, April 26th. Let's go shopping. Welcome back to the Hockey Shop, Source for Sports here in Surrey. We're in the basement, or as I call it, goalie heaven with Cam Matwiv. And this this week, we're going to talk about the latest from CCM, the Eflex 4 line. We've already talked about the pro line, though, Cam. This week, I want to talk about the next level down. They call it the CCM E 4.9 line. Um, this is your next price point down. Not everyone needs, not everyone can afford the highest of high end, the pro level product. Frankly, if you've got a kid that's going through it more than one set a year or even a set a year, um, and depending on the level, they, they don't need it. And it's just prohibitive. So I wanted to talk about the next level down, uh, in part because some of the custom features that you have through the hockey shop source for sports and here at the hockey shop and the hockey shop.com include some elements that aren't going to be available from other retailers in the E4.9. You've got some special features exclusive to you. Walk me through these because for the most part, this is a similar design pad to the Pro. Um, Just a little different foams and different quality of materials, but you've put some upgrades, things that you think will make this a better pad at this level for your customers. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, even starting off with, say, for example, the knee rolls. Like on a stock 4.9 pad, you're going to see a radius knee roll, which means it's rounded, uh, which also means you can get some slight unpredictability when the puck hits it. What we did, flattened them out, 
you're now going to get a more true rebound like it would be with just a straight flat face pad, but you still get that knee roll look. So you get the best of both worlds. So, uh, so a traditional look, a little bit more of a modern playability. That's correct. It's it definitely a great uh, little call out. And honestly, it's a, another good upgrade, but that's not where we stop. Um, the knee, knee stacks. stacks. Yeah. yeah. Now, this is a big one. This is an important one, especially because, you know, especially for the beer leaguer, the big bodied heavy guys that are going down on these pads on a regular basis into the butterfly. Um, it looks like you've improved the quality of the knee roll on your 4.9 exclusive to the Hockey Shop Source for Sports uh, and thehockeyshop.com. Yeah, so we, we, we took the pro knee stack that you're going to find on a knee flex 4, and now you're getting it at the mid-range level price point. Normally, you'll just have a regular standard foam knee stack, um, nothing too special and exciting about it. But this one, um, a little bit more rigid, again, designed to put up with that kind of abuse of that constant up and down, up and down, um, and more stable when you're dropping the butterfly. So um, again, nice, great feature um beyond that we have a couple of exclusive colorways which also lead into the trap or blocker which we can cover but also additional sizing which you won't get anywhere else so the stock pad is limited to a few uh uh smaller sizes for example um not as many in between so you know we won't have a 33 plus two or anything like that but we will so we have an additional uh couple sizes there really kind of rounds out the line for you yeah i know i'm looking at it 33 plus one 33 plus two 34 plus one 34 plus two 35 plus one and intermediate as well 29 one 31 31 one 32 one i'm like an auctioneer at this point point being um, you've got some options that, again, like I said, the idea here is you've brought in some options that not every store is going to have. So let's make uh, our listeners aware of how that can help them out if they're looking for this level of pad. Let's move over to the glove. Again, we're talking about the E-Flex 4 4.9 line from CCM. This is the one level below the full pro. Again, in the glove, what you've done is incorporated what would normally be pro level options into the second price point pad. Walk me through what you've got in the glove that separates it from other stores. So two really big spec callouts here. One that's a little bit less exciting and one that's really exciting. Give first us the one, sexy stuff first. The sexy stuff first. So uh, D3O in the pump. Um, definitely a huge upgrade. This will be basically the same internals that you would have in a standard game-ready Pro Uflex 4 off the shelf. Um, this gives the mid-range level a big step up in terms of for protection and durability aspect based on that protection over time. Uh, whereas, you know, uh, a stock glove, you know, may wear down, you know, six months down the road, you might be starting to get those stingers depending on how much you're playing. This is something to help really extend that life for sure. I would think, and I'd, I'd love to know how you pulled this off because to us D3O in the palm of a glove is a really nice feature on the CCM line. And I would think one of my fears, if I'm a beer leaguer who sometimes plays maybe above my, like if I'm sort of a mid-level guy, but sometimes I'm playing in games where some guys can really fire it is if I buy a lower price point glove, am I going to get the same level of protection? having the d3o in the palm gives you that similar level of protection at least in that area that coverage i would also think for kids that are looking at this model again maybe you're called up you're playing at a higher level you get moved up a level late in the season are you comfortable taking those shots and not feeling stingers having the d3o in this palm versus buying it somewhere else and not getting that layer of protection 
could be a real difference maker. I, I didn't even need to sell it. You just explained why we did it. So, <laughs> well, I'm I'm kind of the truth is I'm kind of one of those beer leaguers myself. Every once in a while, I play over my head against guys who can actually shoot the puck, and I'm a little bit, as we've established, kind of a soft and a baby. So I need all the protection I can get. So that's the truth. Why I know that. What are the other? What are the other specific to you source for sports hockey shots? So once again, beyond the specific colorways to match up with the pads, uh, we also went with a, a skate lace pocket. Um, Ooh, now, skate skate lace yeah. pocket in a second price point glove. I like it. That, that's correct. And now, to be honest, this is always something that you can come and see us and get done aftermarket by Cecil, who we've talked about before. But that said, all of our gloves are going to be coming stock with it up on the wall. So it's not even a spec you need to ask for. It's already there. So the, look at see, these are pro level spec. And this is why we, you know, this is why we praise the hockey shop. This is why we talk about coming here for all your goaltending needs. They think about details like this, the kind of details that you might appreciate in a pro level glove might not be able to afford, might not necessarily need at this point. You can get it in that second price point with the E-Flex 4.9 line. Lastly, Cam, the blocker. Yeah, and this, I mean, blocker's a blocker to a bit of a point, but the sexy upgrade that we got for it is uh, D3O on the first finger. So this is something you see on the Premier 2 um, Pro Blocker and also the E-Flex 4. They're continuing on with it. It just gives you a little bit of extra protection, especially on the tip of uh, your index finger um, for pucks riding up off that stick. Yeah, we've and we've called this out before in the in in the main line it's a feature they added a few years ago that we really like you're right especially if you use that sort of trigger finger with the index finger down along the paddle if you get one that rides up and it it rides up with enough velocity to get out you know through or or make impact on that outer roll of protection that outer layer of protection to the point where you feel it in your finger uh to on to be honest our, like our experiences with d3o kind of like pour on uh with bauer they're nothing but positive. Like that can be the difference between a really bad bruise and a break. So adding it there makes a lot of sense. But again, something we've only associated with the highest end pro level glove, you're offering it now in the Eflex 4.9 line, senior and intermediate. That's correct. All right. So there you go. CCM Eflex 4.9. It's the second price point. Uh, ballpark, what are we talking here in terms of differences? About half the price on a set of pads? Pretty close to half the price of a set of pads. If you want all the details, you can go see Cam at the Hockey Shop Source for Sports in Surrey. You can check out all the prices specific on the gloves and the blockers of the Eflex 4.9 line at the Hockey Shop Source for Sports. Or if you've got specific questions about some of the options, some of the colorways they have in stock before you come down, give Cam a jingle at... 604-589-8299. Oh, now he's like going like full like Barry White with this thing. It's getting a little creepy here in the basement. Um, Cam, thanks for walking us through this. I think it's this is an important thing. Not everybody's buying pro. Not everybody's buying full custom. I love the fact that you guys have taken care of your customers by making sure you have special options available in other price points. Now that we've shared that with the folks, hopefully they come check it out. April 26th, so it's live. This stuff will be in stores. It'll be online. Make sure you check it out at the Hockey Shop Source for Sports. Cam, thanks for the time. Thanks, Cam. Once again, Cam raising his game with the big voice read. Pretty solid. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's getting it's getting a little deeper every week. Pretty yeah. soon, like yeah, he's gonna need his own dressing room down there. Uh, <laughs> and 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 specific uh, colors of uh, Smarties and and M and M's. Uh, yeah, Hutch, how do people get in touch with us? If you'd like to get in touch with us, send your questions to podcast at ingoalmag.com. That's podcast at ingoalmag.com. And those emails and those connections are, are 
it's strange how some relationships just blossom out of things like that. People just reaching out. It's uh, how I first got in contact with our feature interview, uh, Maria Mountain, a number of years ago. And you guys have uh, go back uh, more than that with her. Uh, it's our feature interview. One of the great resources in the world of goaltending. She can make you fitter. She can protect you from injury. And in the process, allow you to enjoy the position a whole lot more. The fancy intro is all taken care of, so here she is. Uh, you know I'm a big fan of yours, but uh, for those that aren't fully up to date on your background and where you came from into this world of goaltending, Maria, give us the, the 411 on Maria Mountain. Uh, I'll give you the Reader's Digest version. Uh, so I... Grew up in London, Ontario in the 70s. I was a kid, so in London, girls didn't play hockey. There, there wasn't even ringette here, but uh, thankfully, I grew up in a neighborhood full of boys, and, and to me, they seemed like a lot more fun to play with than the girls, so we were out on the driveway in the backyard rinks playing hockey every day after school, and I was I was always Ken Dryden against Mike Palmer here, so... <laughs> So I, I, I did have a, a love for the sport and, and for the goaltending position. Uh, fast forward, studied uh, physical education at university. I was actually a cross-country ski racing racer was my varsity sport, but uh, did a master's degree, ended up working at the Fowler-Kennedy Sport Medicine Clinic on the campus of the University of Western Ontario, where I got to sort of be the exercise specialist and help these athletes get back to play. And that's where I started training Jeff Hackett, who was the first NHL goalie I ever worked with. And, you know, the butterfly was brand new. And, uh, you know, so it was it was an awesome experience working with him uh, when I started my own business, Revolution Sport Conditioning, and then an online division of that that was really hockey training pro is what it was called. Anytime I posted an article for the goalies, you know, there was there was instant feedback. I've always loved goalies as, you know, a little bit odd you we are but uh you know I, I love it actually I, I find it amazing the passion for the position so the science the biomechanics the anatomy the, the even the injuries uh, I find it fascinating so that's why I've just decided to to deep dive and go all in and yeah sort of make my professional life helping goalies stop more pucks with fewer injuries so it was the feedback that you got from goalies just basically searching for any type of uh, edge or advantage or just just knowledge that, that got you down this path of goaltending? Yeah, it really was because I think also I knew how I was training the goalies that I worked with, but it opened my eyes that, oh my God, you know, there's still like most of the hockey coaches out there, uh, you know, they're like, you're the, you're the same, do the same stuff. Um, and even a lot of the strength coach, most of the strength coaches that I really even admired and looked up to, they were like, just do the same thing. Just, and so, uh, you know, I saw a need because it will probably get into it a bit, but even especially with the injury profile, you know, they, they need something different. You know, that's funny because that's exactly how I came in contact with you was seeing your work uh, online through social and and got to I I was a subscriber long before I ever got to know you so that's that's really neat that I was just part of that uh, pack uh, Woody uh, Hutch uh, follow up here yeah let's let's just dive into to what you opened up right there Maria is all the coaches that say just do the same thing 
And so maybe you can tell us a little bit more about uh, why goalies shouldn't be doing the same thing and what, what we should be doing. Can you encapsulate that a little bit for us? Yeah, I can. And, and, you know, some strength coaches don't like it when you, when you make these big dramatic comparisons, but honestly, you know, does the pitcher on the baseball team do the same training as the first baseman? Well, hopefully not, you know, their jobs are very different. So I think if we just boil it down, obviously the mobility demands are way, way different. The way they need to use their hips and their body is completely different. The energy system is completely different. You know, they're, they're not an endurance animal. They're still a repeat sprinter, but we don't know how long their shift is going to, is going to last or how long, you know, they're going to have a recovery period. Um, and then we add in the element that a lot of what they do is is frontal plane movement. So instead of sort of skating up and down the ice, they're moving side to side. And then I think one of the things that's still one of the most overlooked elements is the is the vertical agility. You know that into and out of the butterfly is just like it's a it's a treasure chest of, of you know <laughs> sort of training ideas and exercises for me. So. It's, it's just, it's different. The demands are different. The training should be different. Now, not, not completely different, not like they're in the circus and standing on a stability ball and juggling and all this, but, you know, maybe 70, 75% is similar. They still need to be strong, explosive, powerful athletes. But then that, you know, 20, 25%, it needs to, to go exactly to what they, what they need. It's almost like we're playing a different sport, right? Yeah, it, it really, it really is. So, do you have any advice for the for the young goaltender who's being asked to do the same thing as the rest of his team? Because partly, what could they be doing differently on the side? Partly, I guess, how do you talk to a coach? Because you're putting them in a bit of a tough spot if they all run run away from listening to this podcast and tell their coaches they're doing it all wrong. Uh, what are we going to do? Yeah, and it's tricky because it really depends on the coach. And again, there there are some coaches and strength coaches that I. I really like and admire and they're smart people, but they'll still say things like, um, well, you know, the goalie, they think they're special and we don't want, we don't want them feel thinking they're special. And it's like, okay, that's a great reason. So the kids that I train online, we get the whole spectrum. So we get the coaches or, or the, the trainer or the strength coach that works with the team who's actually like, Oh, that's really cool. I, I'd like to see what you're doing. They're keen to learn because again, just intuitively you look at what they do and it's like, that's different. Um, I, then you, then you get some, that's like, no, this is what the team is doing and you're on the team. And then I think that's just, okay. You know, yeah, I'm on the team and I'll, Yes, sir. I'll, I'll do what the team does. But then on the back end, you, you need to be doing some, you know, a little bit that that sort of 20 percent to to help yourself. I, I guess the one question I, I think, honestly, and maybe it's definitely getting better, but we're probably lying to ourselves if we think it's just the kids. Hutch Marie has probably experienced this. Like it wasn't that long ago that I knew NHL teams that were sending young goaltenders home with weight training programs that included a whole bunch of bicep and chest work. And it was just like, seriously, are you like, what decade are we in? And it still exists right up to the top level. So I guess, you know, finding a way to deal with that is one thing. 
I guess what I would wonder, are there any, as much as sometimes you just have to follow along, or even at the NHL, my favorite one was being told I have to do so many bench presses at a certain weight in order to pass the strength test the next year. So you you have to follow along. You have to meet those, those sort of demands. Are there any that you worry about where it's like, wow, hey, we're counterproductive here. I hear a lot about squats and certain types of things where what you're being asked to do, you might want to really push maybe not push back firmly but say like listen this is actually this has the potential to be negative on me as a goaltender to have a negative effect especially for a young goalie or any that jump out yeah yeah there there are a lot I think um like an exercise we don't use with any athletes anymore is is a back squat like a barbell back squat just just because you can with a bar on your back, you can squat heavy and really poorly. So we've all, if you've been in a high school gym or probably a regular fitness club, you know, you've seen the the guy or the girl who's got loaded up the bar and they squat down and then, you know, their back's completely rounded as they, you know, mm-hmm. kind of inchworm it back up. And, you know, that, that sort of, that's dangerous. It's not, it's not healthy for them. Um, you know, I think it's sometimes in like a high school setting where they actually have a gym facility, it's a lot of machines. So they're using leg press machines. They're, you know, they, or they go to the gym themselves and they think they should be using that groin machine thing. And, you know, I think those are, especially the leg press, I think are counterproductive. Um, I, I think there's a lot, I, I still, you know, sometimes I'll post exercises and people still comment like, all you should do is P90X, <laughs> you know, and yeah. that's, that's counterproductive. Um, you know, not that it isn't a really hard workout and some people love it, which is bless you. Um, but for training a goalie, uh, I would say counterproductive. So are you saying that leg machine's no good? Does that mean that Hutch's, Suzanne, Summers, Thighmaster, Tony machine is no longer valid for, that's actually not helping him stop pucks? It's the weekly pick on Hutch show, isn't it? I got to take my shots where I can, Hutch. Have you seen this guy in his, in his swim trunks? He got shapely thighs, so keep at it. Yeah, yeah. Working. Woody can't stop shots, so he takes them. The uh, agility versus strength. Talk to me about that. Yes. This is a great question, actually. Um, so... Because I get also people say, well, I'm strong enough. I just need to be faster. Okay. I, I appreciate that. But building strength is strength is your building block to speed and power. It is the easiest way to make an athlete quicker. So, um, power or speed is sort of your rate of force development. So how fast can we fire those muscles? and exert a certain amount of force. The rate at which we can fire a muscle is somewhat limited by our twitch type. We can still make incremental improvements, but no matter how much I practice sprinting, I'll never be an explosive sprinter. But I can change that force production element. So if I am applying more force over the same amount of time, I'm faster. So we we do work on building max strength but we try to build that max strength in a useful and functional way so if we get so that an athlete is front squatting and it depends on their age so i won't say a specific number but that's like wow that's that's a it looks really great that's a good front squat we'll take them into something that's more challenging to their hip stabilization to their hip and torso stabilization you know those single leg squats or rear foot elevated squats or squat lateral 
to get that adaptation. But strength, if we want to push our speed, um, then strength is where we build that reservoir. Agility is a skill. So that's the thing, too. You've all seen it in the rinks. Uh, young and sometimes not so young goalies doing their agility training. And they're in the ladder and their feet are going like a little egg beater. And da -da 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 -da. But, you know, their body's all over the place and their arms are flipping and they're hitting the ladder and they're up on their tiptoes. And, you know, so the key element there is we need to have that force production capacity. But we also need to take the time to teach the skill of agility and how to position your feet and how to absorb and how to stabilize. So um, that that starts slow. And it, it's it's very much like, you know, Darren, I know we're both trying to learn how to play the guitar. And yeah. you know, it's very much like, as much as I'd love to just get on that guitar and wail, I need to learn how to put my fingers so the strings don't buzz and, and then build from there. So just uh, is, is slower better in the agility side of things uh to do it right or or how do you decide when when to push the agility part on the speed part yeah so it's just competency based so slower when you're learning and then as you get the competency okay now we'll pick it up now you can now you can apply that force and you can learn you know you can practice concentrating being explosive the other thing actually that i'll chime in about any like speed and agility it shouldn't be fatiguing. So we'll see lots of training programs or, or you know, uh, athletes working with their teams. They'll be like, oh, we did speed today. It was brutal. Okay, then yeah. that's not speed. That's stamina. Even though you're doing speed exercises, that's actually a stamina workout. Speed should be hard on your brain because you're trying to execute it perfectly and you're actually thinking of being explosive in the right way with the right forces, um, it, it shouldn't be a, a gasser. It sounds a lot like, uh, practicing a new skill on the ice in the crease. You have to you know, slow, you start slowly. You, you sort of per perfect the method before you add the speed to it. Like you, you can't start quick. Most of the time you end up usually just ingraining bad habits. Yeah, exactly. It just, our body knows what we practice. Our body doesn't know, oh, that was a good rep. This is a bad rep. Our body knows you did seven like this and you did four like this. So I'm going to, you know, I'm going to yeah. do the one that you've practiced the most. And so you decide, is it going to be a good rep or a poor rep? Before the guys uh, go into uh, too, for, too much further and, and the goaltending part, because these, these guys are so incredibly uh, dialed in on, on, injuries and and equipment and what it can help you and what what doesn't help you with when you talk about strength and agility is one more important than the other do you need one before you can go to the other one uh th that that relationship and then i'm out i i think they're on a con they're on a continuum i would say i think the most important so when i look at an athlete at a goalie it's the first thing is can they move if a goalie can't move the way a goalie needs to move, we need to figure that out, whether it's through mobility training or, or physical therapy. If they just know, like my body just doesn't do that. Um, can they stabilize is the next. Are they strong the way a goalie needs to be strong? And then are they explosive and agile? So 
and I, and I wouldn't say that one is more important, but those are the boxes we need to check. Fascinating. And where does, mo- like, I'm trying to think, like, I'm picturing it as, like, a diagram. Where does mobility fit in all that? Like, is that under, is that at the foundation of all of that? Like, is it, or it all tied in together in terms of having the... Sorry, that comes in, yeah, that's can they move and can they stabilize together. So, really just, you know, I guess, can they move? And I kind of look at it more in a functional sense rather than just, like, can you do the splits or can you touch your toes? But can they move is I guess flexibility, which is just how, how much can we stretch this muscle, you know, sitting on the living room floor, or if I took your leg and passively moved it, how far could you move? Mobility adds the stability element. So mobility is really how much range of motion do I have at the joint that I can still control and stabilize. So goalies right now are still in flexibility world. You know, well, goalies have to stretch. I'm, I'm going to stretch so I can do the splits like Jonathan Quick. That puts you in positions of vulnerability because it puts you in a, you know, your muscle in a length and position where it has no strength and it has no experience. It's like, God, I've never been here before. Uh, and a lot of times that will result in, in strains and, and injuries. Um, so, you know, some of the other like the mobility training that we do where we're generating tension in those length and positions um, you know, that's, that's a key and that's a foundation. Like if they, if they don't have that, then what we're just making them stronger and faster so they can hurt themselves more. <laughs> Talk to us a little bit more about stretching. Um, I, I like your explanation there. I think it's a good one. I think you know that I've got a guy who's lived through that too. Um, but so many coaches, so many parents, it's the only thing they know uh, about training or warming up or whatever. So it's the first thing we do is we stretch. So so what is the first thing that we do and when the or does stretching ever fit into that? I know your I know your mobility program is one of the first things that you share with people uh, for the butterfly. Um, but where do, where does stretching fit in, and what should people be doing before they go out on the ice? If if we can only you know have a, a limited amount of time to do that, yeah. And, and stretching does have a place, and and I think uh, if we're talking to those younger athletes, those younger goalies who are growing, one thing we forget is that our bodies grow from the bones. There's no coordinated effort of, okay, muscles and bones, we're going to grow, you know, an inch this summer. It's just the bone takes off. And now all of a sudden this kid who used to be really flexible, can't touch their toes. And so, you know, I think there, there is a place for stretching in there just to kind of help the muscles remodel to answer your question. If if you're going to be jumping on the ice and maybe have 10 minutes to warm up at the rink, um, I would bring a lacrosse ball. I would start with some self myofascial release of sort of the upper glutes, like up where it almost ties into the top of your hip and your pelvis. Um, I would do my hip flexors and I would. This is rolling, right? Like rolling, like rolling. Yeah. Rolling okay. on that. And I probably do the bottom of my foot. And if people think that self myofascial release is sort of mumbo jumbo or what, or you don't need to do it, or I don't know what it does. It does some tissue remodeling. So um, your, your muscles have a, a layer around them that's called fascia. And it actually surrounds every single little microfibril. And those are in, divided into bundles. And it surrounds the bundles. And those are in bigger bundles. And, it, you know, so really when your tendons come out the ends of your muscles, it, it, that's the fascia coming out. Um, and sometimes that fascia can get adhered down to the underlying muscle for lack of a better term. So we need to get in there and just kind of work those two layers to get 
the moving because if it were adhered, then you're going to stretch all you want and you're not going to get uh, a change. So we would do some of that. Uh, then, then we might do a couple of static stretches, uh, maybe, you know, hip, hip flexor stretch, maybe, a, a groin stretch, something like that. But we usually get a little more dynamic. So we would do sort of, um, we do like a half kneeling rock back. So we're in a stretch position, but moving through a range of motion. Um, we might do, then we would go into a dynamic warm up. So this is like, you know, you're walking quad stretch, walking hamstring stretch, um, you know, walking leg cradle and that like you can do that for 10 minutes and then get on the ice. But the key is even when I work at camps that have, you know, high level players, they go through or you see on TV, like even soccer teams, baseball players, they go through it like like they're zombies, like, you know, (laughs) think of what you're doing. What are you feeling? Where's your body positioned? Because, again, that also sets, I think, a mental tone for you know, okay, I'm going out and I'm going to execute with precision and excellence. And um, so, yeah, that's a long answer to a short question. No, it's a good answer, though. You have, sorry, Hutch, I was going to say self like myofascial release, essentially for those who don't get the term, it's foam rolling for the most, that's the sort of generic term for it. Um, But I've seen that in NHL rinks. Unfortunately, we're not allowed to film it anymore because we're not allowed to film the sort of stuff that goes on outside the locker room before a game. But the focus just like when you're doing an exercise as you talked about or when you're learning a new drill like the focus and the idea that if you're going to do it you might as well do it right in the repetition like you see that in these guys and you mentioned the foot um the bottom of the foot is one that i think gets overlooked a lot maybe explain why that's important because we've seen it whether it's carrie price pulling out a golf ball and rolling out the bottom of his foot before he goes on the ice every time or ryan miller doing the same in vancouver i mean Miller's a guy who's as connected to his body as anyone I've ever met. And that's one of his staples. Talks about the bottom of the foot all the time. I think most of us overlook it. I don't because I, I do your program, but I think a lot of goalies do. Why is that one important? It's cool. And I, yeah, I really enjoyed your episode with Ryan Miller. It was fantastic. But yeah, I'll, I'll circle back to that. Um, I think it, it really just highlights the, the importance of the myofascial release. So fascia also has the highest density of sensory neurons, um, you know, compared to like our muscle fibers. So if you do a little experiment, so finish listening to this, go grab a, a yeah, a golf ball, a cross ball, tennis ball, whatever, take off your shoes, uh, stand with your feet right together, your knees perfectly like straight and bend down to touch your toes, whatever it is, your kneecaps, your toes, put your hands flat on the floor, whatever it is. And then do a minute of just rolling that ball on the bottom of your foot with, you know, to the base of your, from the base of your heel to the base of your toes, all over that bottom aspect. And with enough pressure that it's not painful, but you you feel it. Do that on each foot for a minute, put your feet back together, lock your knees out straight and bend forward again. And you're probably going to notice you get two to four more inches. And, and, Again, you know, if you ask somebody, well, what limits that forward bend? Well, hamstring tightness, back erector tightness, yada, yada. Well, I didn't stretch my hamstrings. I did nothing to my back extensors. All I did was have an impact on, you know, and I'm assuming it's the sensory neurons in the bottom aspect of the foot. Okay. That makes makes no sense, though. Uh, How does that work? It doesn't, doesn't. But again, if if you think of fascia as a living thing and and you guys know me well enough i'm not a kind of but it is a living thing and it isn't 
independent. So there's a guy named Thomas Myers. If you're a super geek like I am, read his book, Anatomy Trains. It's not about training like it's in like choo-choo trains. But <laughs> he's a passionate guy to talk about anatomy, and he's a very interesting teacher. He, he talks about how you could dissect right from the, the bottom of the foot all the way up the gastrox, hamstring, spinal erectors, you know, all the way up basically to the top of your eyebrow as one piece. So he he talks about the body instead of being divided into, I'm an exercise physiologist, I should know how many muscles are in the body, but I don't remember, you know, but instead of it being, you know, whatever, 200 muscles, that it's, you know, one muscle with 200 different divisions. Um, so that fascia does communicate um, you know, from one area of the body to another, which again, I think really has an impact on how we train goalies. And, and it's not just, okay, well, how I use my hips, but it's like, well, how do I use my hips with my torso or how, how does my body respond if I'm reaching with my leg, but then have to rotate and reach with my arm. And it's, it's just, it's so awesome. Wow. It is fascinating. Uh, do you guys want to get into some, uh, some goaltending stuff? Uh, well, I want to ask, I mean, you started all this by watching goaltenders, but you're playing now. What's that experience been like getting on the ice, trying some of this, feeling the movements? Is it make a difference? Is it any different? Are there things you've discovered from a different side of things now that you're on the ice versus, like you said, not not that just studying it or watching it was, wasn't enough by any stretch, but how has it changed your approach in any way at all? Yeah, and I, I think it I think it isn't enough just to study it. To study it, you can learn the forces and you know, yeah, apply the physiology, apply the biomechanics. You can't you don't know how it feels. And nobody nobody I was on the ice today with actually a goalie I've trained forever and he was he was giving me some pointers, but unless you put on the pad, you have no idea how hard it is and even just recoveries. And so um I you know, the bulk of the equipment, how you move. So it's, it has changed things for sure. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's been invaluable and, and, and I love it too. And it's funny cause I, yeah, I'm terrible and, and I, you know, have no reason to expect I would be anything else, but yeah, like we're, what's the we're thing just, that stood out so, the most? The thing that stood out the most. Yeah. I think for me, it's just, how physically demanding like recovering from the butterfly is like up down this just how bad that gasses you and and just you know sort of holding the post and staying in a low ready position and just saying like god would you please please just shoot the puck over the blue line like that's like yeah, all shoot it at me or get it out yeah <laughs> shoot it over the blue line <laughs> please <laughs> so you've had a chance to to be on the ice with some goalie coaches working with kids. You've seen camps from youngsters right up to the NHL. Um, as a, if you'll forgive the term, an outsider, somebody new to the to the coaching game, uh, is there something you would change about sort of the default mod- model of how a, a camp or a session with, with a kid works so that it works better physiologically? Well, I'm blessed because I get to sit in on some really great coaches and so I'm usually learning mostly what's working right but if I look back at you know when I was more starting out and would would be at all of them I I think yeah I think um too many coaches take pride in just crushing a kid you know leaving them and and I've worked I've worked it too where 
you know, we have a team hockey team come in for training at the gym and the coach and the dad and everyone just, just kill them, you know, just kill them. And, and the kids will come out of the gym and, and dad or the coaches, they're like, is that the hardest workout you've ever done? And the kids like, no, you know, and it's because <laughs> we're trying to teach them, <laughs> you know, yeah. how to be better athletes. And they'll be like, Oh geez. Like, oh, yeah, you're not hardly sweating. It's like our, our success as a coach isn't, how much the kid's sweating or how tired they are. Like a monkey could just make you tired. It's, did this kid get better? So I think there needs to be more rest intervals. Um, and But you can use that to work on hmm, maybe puck handling. <laughs> you know, yes. Something that you can still use it as productive time because I also understand if, if you're, you know, mom and dad have paid X number of dollars for you to be at this camp, you can't sort of be, sitting in the corner half the time, but there's things you can work on that will still really help you be a better goalie. Um, and I think too, sometimes, and it happens in training too, is that, oh, this is what the NHL players, you know, so I, I guess RVH is the first thing that popped in my head. Oh, this RVH and the NHL players do it. So, so you need to do it eight year old Johnny. And, uh, you know, it's like Johnny don't need to be doing the RVH, you know, <laughs> Johnny needs to learn how to skate. And, uh, you know, he should probably probably be playing goalie hockey, you know, will help his development more than learning the RVH. But that reminds me of uh, I think it was I can't remember who we had on the ice. It might have been Ryan Miller uh, in Vancouver working with Alex Ald and a parent that also worked with Alex comes up to us afterwards. And I was out there running video on it and uh, says it might have been Eddie Lack. Actually, anyways, the parent comes up and says, you guys were just doing a photo shoot, right? Like that wasn't an actual practice. And me and Alex are like. No, what do you mean? Well, oh, I mean, like he wasn't soaked in sweat, gassed, exhausted. And it was like, no, this is how pros practice. It's about details and repetitions and making sure all the repetitions are good because five bad ones are going to override five good ones. So those lessons seem to apply right throughout. You mentioned how hard it was being on the ice going up and down and learning just how tough that is. And we've talked about practice drills. And obviously, it's a hot topic around minor hockey right up to the NHL. Butterfly drop, hips, how do we find a balance? How do we keep goalies healthy? I know there's some equipment tweaks we can do. I don't, I'm not sure there is a perfect answer, but what's the, what's the best practices advice you can give um, to other parents, to coaches of minor hockey coaches to keep in mind with young goaltenders in terms of the demands, being conscious of the demands they're putting on these kids? I certainly don't have the answer, um, but I think... I think having another goalie at practice is a great idea. And a lot of times the goalies don't like it because they want the shots, but I think it helps reduce sort of the repetitions that they're getting in some of those positions. And it's cool because in the NCAA, you know, they can track metrics on the, on the guys and the girls. And, um, you know, you see that what a goalie does in practice physiologically is nothing like what they do in a game and what they need to do to excel in their sport. So adding a third goalie is probably a good idea. I think, you know, as a coach, maybe just giving the butterfly a lot of respect and, and cluing into the idea that these bones are growing and developing. And we don't really know what the impact is of the butterfly on those growing bones um, we did, I was involved in a study when I was doing my master's degree. It wasn't my study. I was just helping collect data, but looking at, um, like a twist of in the humerus. So the, the, the big long bone of your arm, uh, in baseball players, 
And so kids who'd been throwing a baseball from the time they were little, little kids. And there actually was a twist in the humor, in the, their humorous from throwing a baseball. There was an adaptation to their sport at, at the bony level. So you know, I, I think people say, well, it doesn't hurt. You know, my hips feel fine. My hips feel fine. Well, that's right. Your hips feel fine. And until it, it doesn't feel fine. You know, if anyone who's had a back, a disc injury, you know, it's like, yeah, it felt fine until I bent over to pick up my t-shirt off the shirt and yeah, <laughs> or off the yeah. floor and, and couldn't get up again. And it's not that picking up the t-shirt made that injury occur. It's that, you know, over years and years and years, it's like a coat hanger, you know, you can, a metal coat hanger, you can bend it this way once, twice, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. And then it'll, it'll go. So I, I think, yeah, just being cognizant that these are cumulative trauma injuries and if we, they need to learn the butterfly, but not just as a default, like, and, you know, smash, smash, smash. It's, it's uh, a tool that they need to learn, but probably learning to skate is the most important tool they could have. One of the things that, uh, I remember I, I did a lot of help the research for a sports illustrated article back when I used to string for them by David Epstein about sort of the hip injuries and the butterfly. And we found kids as young as 12 and 13, and this is like seven, eight years ago that were having the surgery and needed the surgery. One of the theories at that time was that too much, I mean, everybody sort of, whether you have a perfect hip socket or not, or you get that sort of, that edge to the top of the femur that can dig out the hip can be genetic. One of the theories was maybe too much weight-bearing exercise at a young age could lead to that malformed femur. I don't know if they ever proved that. It was sort of, a, you know, again, it was a while ago in a running theory. I guess the question is, is this part of why you don't recommend kids to a certain age do necessarily your program or or maybe do a modified version? Like what's what's the advice to, because let's be honest, there's kid, there's parents out there right now that want their eight-year-old training like an NHL or why is it important that they don't? And how do you, how do you keep them busy without worrying about breaking them? And that's a really good question too. I think the reason, so even at Revolution at the gym, we don't start an athlete till they're 14 years old or if they're 13, but it's the summer before they go in high school, we'll, we'll start them a little early. And part of it is, um, and yeah, it hurts the business because a lot of kids by the time they're 12 already have a strength coach that, you know, but I think for one I want kids to be involved in a sport and pursue sport at a high level because they love the sport so much that it's a fun, special treat. And, you know, when I get old enough, I'm going to be able to train to, to be better at my sport. If a kid is for, starts training for sport, specifically when they're 14, if they have the talent and the skill and the drive to go far, well, they're going to have, you know, a good 15 years of training <laughs> ahead of them. So that, you know, that's enough. So if they've been training like a pro since their ages, and I've seen it when I, when I started out, I would train younger athletes and who, well, no, they really want to do it. Well, I used to want to do kind of weird things too. When I was a kid, my mom and dad were like, uh, no, you're not going to be doing that. So, you know, <laughs> I, I wanted to just, I want them to be doing it because it's fun, not because, oh, I'm going to be in the NHL. And I, and I don't, I don't think it helps. I think it can contribute to burnout. I think these kids too, just, you know, from eight years old, see themselves as a hockey player, 10 years old or 12 years old. And if that doesn't work out for them, they don't have another peer group. They don't play other sports. It's just, okay, well, what now? So that, that's why, that's why I personally, why I do it. 
Um, I think, you know, keep them busy playing lots of other sports and, and not playing hockey year round. And I, you know, I think even martial arts is great if, if it's like, well, these sports, this doesn't work with the family schedule. Okay. Martial arts would be great. You know, teach some discipline, balance, strength. So, so more about a philosophy in terms of young people, as opposed to worried about specific weight bearing stuff and the butterfly and things like that at too young an age, or is that part of it too? Well, like it, I think if I'm coaching a, a young kid, then I can put together a program that would be okay. age and skill appropriate for them. That uh, isn't my passion it, for, you know, some of those reasons and, and just other reasons. I'm not a great, like, cheerleader. It's like, we're going to work and we're going to do the work and <laughs> this is how we're going to do it, kid. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I think a kid with the proper coaching there's nothing wrong with strength training at a young age. It's not going to stunt your growth. It's not going to, but again, if you overdo it, um, you know, and again, I've talked to dads who literally, um, you know, are like, well, what, uh, my kid, cause they maybe were a power lifter. Well, well, I've had my kid doing 10 sets, of 10 back squats. Oh, you know that. Yeah. I think that's kind of probably a bit too much for like a 10 year old. Well, but he can do it <laughs> and he can do like 165. It's like, well, you know, it's like one of those cases, like just because you can doesn't mean you should. Sounds like good advice. Here we go. We're getting onto a roll. You promised me you'd be really ornery because it's past your bedtime now. Wait, I either get I either get grumpy or I get punchy. This is awesome. So so since we're on that, talk to us about box jumps. I think we should have all our kids doing box jumps, shouldn't <laughs> we? Aren't those great? <laughs> now you're only if you only if it's on to forty five pound plates that are so stacked that they rock back and forth. And then only if it goes on the Instagrams. Yeah. Exactly. It's Perfect. So can we get one of those of you doing one from the gym tomorrow? Yeah, for sure. We will. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, it's again, like, and then, uh, like, I think there should be league suspensions for pro like NHL players who post these pictures on Instagram. Cause you just know every kid's going to be trying to do it. But why are they bad? Because it's just a test of how high you can pull your knees up. It, it has no impact on, like I can jump as high as I can jump onto an 18 inch box as well as I can jump as high as I can jump onto a 42 inch box. It, it has no impact on my power production. It sure makes uh, the downside if I miss the jump a lot more dramatic if I'm trying to jump up on a box, but it has other than just, Oh, that looks really cool. It has no impact on your performance outcome. So again, my job, my number one job is keeping you healthy and um, you know, that, like that is negligent full stop. <laughs> uh, so, you know, we, we jump as high as we can jump, but we'll jump onto an, an 18 or 24 inch box. And, and, and I train power like vertical track and field athletes that have to do that. We do not, we do not do that. And, you know, and, and like a high box where you see guys land and their knees are up under their chin. Okay. So that, so you can really pull your knees up high under your chin that, that will really help you be a better hockey player. So so if you can't jump on the plates, I mean, a stability ball is a better thing to jump onto, right? Well juggling, well juggling. Well juggling yeah. or doing barbell back squats, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Cirque du Soleil. There's a Cirque du Soleil spinoff that you could maybe, you know, on, Darren, the future. Darren, there. here's where you say, Darren, here's where you jump in and say, why can't I jump onto my stability <laughs> yeah. ball, Maria? Well, first of all, it's the dumbest thing I've ever seen because everybody falls off. Like even the person that does it, falls off the first time. So I don't even know why you would do that. Uh, it just, 
I don't know where these things come from then. That, that's the part that, that bothers me is because they obviously serve a purpose in some regard or else they wouldn't, wouldn't be out there. Or why do they get out there? I think it's somebody is uh, just is not interpreting their science properly. And they think so when you ask people, uh, well, why would you stand on a ball? And and they'll say, well, because it's good for core stability. Huh? Right. That's what I've been told. <laughs> I think it's good for balance. Um, and I, you're exactly right. You know, 10 or 15 years ago, I used to stand on a ball, too, because it's like, oh, I'm going to stand on the ball. The ball is hard to balance on. Uh, I, it, it's not a reflection of, oh, I gotta really use my core. It's like, I have to balance. And then, you know, hockey isn't, isn't a balance sport like, like that, you know, when you need to balance a lot of times you're, you're on one foot or you're on one knee. So it's not training that element of it. And then you also have to be pretty cautious. You can't, even when you see guys barbell squatting on the ball, it's like gingerly, like, don't fall off, don't fall off. Don't, yeah. you know, it's like, well, that's not how we build our strength and power. Uh, you know? So again, if, if there's some reason that it's like, I really need this guy to be balanced with two feet, while he's building strength, then get on a teeter board that's like two inches off the ground and you're not, yeah, you're not going to wipe out and kill yourself. So that's another one that's just, yeah, somebody posted a video and people are like, oh, that looks cool. I'm going to do it for core strength, which it's not. Okay, I'm pulling us back to something that is that, that some people might think is gimmicky, but actually has a positive spin, I think. The concept, which I know Darren has embraced, and I've used it in the past in other pads, we talk about butterfly and we talk about uh, hips. The concept of making our knee stack a little bit thicker, a little bit higher, so that, I mean, obviously that chain from the the angle, as I was always taught, I learned this from way back in the day from Ian Clark, the angle between sort of the shin bone and the thigh, as high as you can get that knee off and, and and the skate to the ice, to sort of increase that angle, it, uh, I believe he said exponentially, decreases the amount of pressure in the hips. So the idea of building up our knee stacks, Darren, you've done it. Maria, well, I do you've it because talked I have an arthritic, arthritic hip. So that's why. But, I but it, it. it alleviates yeah. the pressure. Yeah. So there's evidence. Yeah. So, yeah. so Maria, walk us through the benefits of that, where you're at with that. Clearly for beer leaguers, not a problem. Obviously in the NHL, they've regulated the thickness. And the year they enforced it, there were groin injuries everywhere. Not a coincidence as many NHLers pointed out to me at the time, where are we at for beer leaguers for kids? Is it a good idea for kids to help sort of as they come up through the ranks, maybe before they're regulated, ease that burden of having to drop to the ice, put less stress on the hips as they're dropping 200 times because their coach wants them stopping every shot in practice. Yeah, I think, I think absolutely. If you're looking for one of the simplest things you can do to take wear and tear off your hips, I think adding a bit to your knee stacks is, is, maybe number one, if you're not going to do anything else. So yeah, you're absolutely right. The, the higher you can get the knee off, the less internal rotation and, and the less torque on the knee. So I'll get emails, you know, every couple of weeks, probably I'll get an email asking something like, how do I stretch the inside part of my knee? Well, that would be your MCL. And you don't want to be like that doesn't that's not meant to be stretched unless like a guy forward falls on your leg. So, so you know, the and and the reason you get that torque or that tension on the inside of your knee when you're in the butterfly is because 
your hips don't have that internal rotation. So you run out of internal rotation and now, you know, your knee is trying to get bent at sort of a 90 degree angle. So if we can raise that knee up a little bit, uh, yeah, it's, it, uh, it take a tremendous amount of force off the hip, knee and ankle. There we go. Actually, can we chat too a little bit about, because I, I think some moms and dads, you know, maybe their goalie's a little smaller and they hear, oh, you know, the goalies have to be really tall, have to be really tall. I think also the blades that are, uh, yeah, the extreme that, you know, kind of make you taller. And they do get you more bite on the ice. I'm not arguing that, but it also, it increases the lever and it'll put more torque on the knees and hips. So, um, you know, that, and, and I know they're doing it for the right reason, but they maybe don't understand the physics of it. And that, that is not a great, in my opinion, is not a great idea for, you know, younger kids when someone's older making their own decisions is, you know, whatever it is going to put more torque on your hip and knee. And the interesting part there is that those old step extreme steals that were made illegal by the NHL not that long ago, um, we're at the point now where pretty much every skate is actually with the increase in the height of the holders is pretty much achieving the same thing. So it's almost like as much as we're, you, you realize this is not necessarily a great thing, you know, uh, in pretty much every brand, that, that's, that attack angle, that height of the skate has increased, unfortunately. I mean, it's a good thing. Like you said, there's some positives, but I don't know if we, we think about the negatives associated with that. Well, the one other thing I would say too, and, and I don't think this gets talked about enough, and sometimes we see it with Kid Touch when they put on it for the first time at a young age, is... If as much as that angle between is you can increase that angle by increasing your knee stacks, you make that angle worse. If the skate can't get to the ice cleanly in the butterfly, you can't have those toe ties done in too tight or the elastics too tight on them because even elastics, they may allow the skate to get to the ice, but by their inherent nature, an elastic has tension. So if you have too much tension and you're pulling that skate up off the ice in the butterfly, again, you're increasing that angle and, and that internal rotation, and none of that is a good thing for young legs and hips. Yeah, that's right. And, and the pad's a pretty long lever. So, yeah, if those toe ties are tight, the pad is going to torque uh, through the knee as well. So, yeah, I, yeah, I agree with you there as well. Last goalie I remember to wear them like super tight so they would be up. Mika Kiprasov, and that when it, and then when I saw that, and then when he told me that he stretched three hours a day, forty five minutes before morning skate, forty five minutes after, forty five minutes before the game, forty five minutes after the game, it kind of all made sense to me because his gear <laughs> put him in a situation where he absolutely had to. Wow, that's wild. <laughs> so we've talked a lot about the younger goaltenders. Uh, how about the beer leaguers? Now I know you've got some great programs for beer leaguers if they really want to go all in and I highly recommend them. Kevin and I have worked with both of them. Um, Maria's kept me healthy for the last five years. Thank you very much. I, (laughs) the only reason I make it through seasons now. Kevin also owns every single foam roller ever developed, including the vibrating ones. They're fun. Including the vibrating ones. Um, Yeah. Yeah. But, and we'll and we'll we'll put some links in in the show notes for this uh, for Maria's programs. But uh, Maria, for for the beer leaguer who's not ready to uh, to invest that much time, um, uh, what could what's the one thing they could do to make themselves healthier every day? Okay. Healthier, I mean, as a goaltender. Yeah, I do think you know get a lacrosse ball and do some of that self myofascial release or a foam roller. Start with a foam roller because if you do it with a lacrosse ball to start with, you will you'll be like, man, that is an evil 
woman. <laughs> she hates she hates men. So start with a foam roller, and then once you're used to it, go to a lacrosse ball. But just do some tissue quality work, and you know, maybe like a bit of stretching for hip internal rotation. Not trying to force it, but just a little bit of stretching. It it'll, it'll make a huge difference. And and then yeah, just remember, like yeah, you're not in high school anymore, so. We just act like it sometimes. Hey, I need. I actually need more of a program plug out of you because I've I've gotten benefits out of them. Obviously, the the butterfly fourteen day butterfly challenge is still online. You can still find it on the website. What are the other programs you offer? Because the one thing I think, like, you don't have to go to your gym and see you. Carter no. Hutton doesn't come to your gym. Like right up to the NHL level, you work remotely with some of the best athletes in the world to get them better, and you have programs that allow you to do that. You know, the people that are listening to this from all over the world, you can work with Maria and get better. Can you just walk us quickly through the various program levels you offer so that people hear this and they want to learn more, they want to work with you? What's the best way to get started? I think the best way to get started is really with the free program. So obviously I have paid programs, that, but I think, you know, start with something free because that tells you, number one, do I have the discipline to actually do it? Uh, because nothing happens until you take action. So I think that butterfly challenge, it's 14 day uh, self-myofascial release and mobility program. It is so simple. It, it takes less than 10 minutes a day. Uh, and most, most goalies get sort of two to four inches wider on their butterfly flare after the couple weeks. So, you know, my, like deviously, my purpose is that this is going to be so easy and takes so little time that when goalies do it, they're going to be like, Oh my gosh, like what the heck is the paid program going to be? I'm going to be like, that's no worries. <laughs> um, so, but that's the easiest uh, one to do butterfly challenge. And then I have a couple other free programs. I can send you guys a links to that. You can post them. One is a beer league MVP. So it's a, it's a little more of an overall training program I designed for adults um, and again, it's still pretty basic. It's not, yeah, the same program that Carter would get, but it's, it's enough to be like, okay, I can, I can do this. Uh, and then, um, the other one is back up to beast, which is a similar program, but for more of those high school kids who are, you know, gunning for it. Perfect. I can well, attest that to the, I mean, if I do, if I stay on any level of the programs, I stay healthy. As soon as I don't make the time, even to just stay with some of the stretches in the 14-day butterfly program on an ongoing basis, even though I know that's the minimum. Like you said, talked about the rocking, like the as a warm-up sometimes, just to do some of those exercises that I've found are real easy to sort of get me loose. Like if I do it, I'm healthy and I feel okay. Even at the crappy level I, I am as a goalie. If I don't, I'm done. I'm. It's usually within a few weeks I'm nursing something, so I, I can't recommend them enough. What uh, What's the one thing the beer leaguer shouldn't do when he goes out in the ice for his for his 50-minute scrimmage to get ready? Is there a, a stretch? Is there a, a move? Or is there something that's totally useless? Is there uh, that something that we all do that, that we think is good and it's really not? But just like when you, you know, you see the guys that just get on the ice and then they do their little frog, you know, stretch and, yeah. and then ah, ready to go. And, you know, and then skating <laughs> flappers to the face mask. It like you should do some kind of off ice warm up. And even if even if it's like, OK, well, I have to do it at home and then drive to the rink half an hour. Fine. Do it at home. You know, I do my warm up at home. Then we drive to the rink and then. I do a little warm up on the ice. So, I, you know, if it, if you love it and it's part of your ritual, awesome. But if you can sneak in a little, 
a little warm up. It'll it'll make a huge difference. Could can you just talk to me about that before we? I, you're warming up at home before you drive to the rink. I mean, I was always. I, I grew up thinking that if I did much of a dry land before I hit the ice, that you know by the time my gear was on me, I was back down to being cool again. So, so what is that time frame? It's where it's it's useful. There's good, better, best. So yeah. you know, I think good is is doing something. Uh, you know, better is doing a good sort of specific warm up at home and then driving. You know. I live about seven minutes from the rink. So driving seven minutes to the rink and then putting your gear on and getting on the ice. I think best is to do it at the rink. My hockey buddy and husband doesn't want to get to the rink any earlier. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so we, we compromise. It's how we have a very solid marriage. For- I, I, I actually go with better for different reasons because I take enough shit at the rink when I pull out the foam rollers after a skate. If I bring out the giant vibrating spheres before the game starts the the room tends to get on me a little bit. So for my own pride's sake, I do all my dynamic stuff at home before I get out there because all these other guys just drink beer, hit the ice, and hit me in the head with shots. Buddy, you're you're amazing. Maria is awesome. I buy into everything she says, but if you pull out a vibrating foam roller on my beer league, I'm throwing stuff at you. <laughs> The boys would never get out of the dressing room if you bring yeah. out a vibrating foam ball. No, we'll, we'll go with six skaters over that. Uh, uh, Maria, uh, thanks to Paul, uh, your hockey buddy and husband, uh, because he, he allows you uh, this uh, this room to join us on a, on a playoff night. So uh, we really appreciate it. I had to close the door in case some bad. I heard some bad words before we started. <laughs> <laughs> I had to close the door. You're amazing, and we appreciate you uh, allowing us to bug you as much as we all do. Thanks, boys. I love it. Thanks, Maria. Thanks, Maria. You're the best. See you. She is easily one of the most infectious people you will ever come across. And I've only actually met her once, but it feels like she's like a lifelong buddy by all the interactions you have over text and uh, and her fitness programs. But she's always, the thing about her, she's trying to train you. I don't know whether you guys uh, look at it the same way, but she's trying to train you. She's trying to make you a better athlete, but she's she really cares about how healthy you are and whether you're doing it the right way. And that's what that's what I sort of gravitated to and, and grasped uh, early on in my workings with her, Hutch. Yeah, isn't it a theme of what we've been talking about on the podcast from day one about uh, having good reps, not necessarily lots of reps. And she carries it right from the absolute fundamentals. So it's great to hear from her. She is a fantastic person. Uh, I've been lucky enough to visit her gym and see her in London, Ontario. She uh, comes by Eli Wilson's uh, Day with Carrie Price camp every summer. And I expect we'll see her again there in Kelowna this summer. Um, absolutely infectious personality, a really warm person. And uh, it's great that we're able to call her a friend. And it's the same whether it's those young kids at Eli Wilson's camp uh, that are just starting the position in many cases, or whether she's presenting at the Network Goaltending Symposium in front of 100 to 150 goalie coaches from all over the world. I've seen her in both environments, and that infectious, that sort of positive attitude that makes you want to get on board, um, it's continuous, no matter whether it's the podcast or in either one of those locations. So... Uh, yeah, we're like I said, we're pretty blessed. So uh, thank you, Maria, for the time. And uh, I hope everybody else, like I would seriously, if you haven't checked out, every time I get a question on Twitter about where to start, 
a stretching program, I send them to that 14 day butterfly challenge because it really is a great jumping off point. And honestly, if you don't feel the difference, you're either not doing it or you're already in great shape. Something we touched on was uh, elevating the knee stacks, making them higher. Is there a particular way that you guys would go about doing that? I know how I've done it, but I just, I, I, I'm a guyver. I really do. I take an old set of pads and I take the knee stack off that or the, the foam, uh, the softer part, and I just stick it on there. I don't make it double the size, but, but I just, I, I just kind of make it up as I go along until something feels comfortable. Uh, Kev, would, would you do that? Because there's no right or wrong way to do that. Well, there's, I mean, you could go to the hockey shop and Good talk to Cecil because oh. they do custom modifications of all sorts there. So uh, that would be my first step if you're in the lower mainland. Um, there are companies that have offered inserts uh, and specialized sort of knee blocks. Uh, one of the ones that I use and had some success with, unfortunately, is having some business troubles right okay. now, so I won't recommend them. Um, but there are some there are some products out there where you can buy inserts. You know, a lot of pads you'll they'll have the 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 foam knee block, and then they'll have a soft sort of level connected to it yes. by Velcro. Yeah. And obviously, in between those two things, you've got Velcro on either side. You could create your own layer and put it in between those two layers with Velcro on either side, and just kind of extend That's it what upwards I've done. as long. Yeah, as long as you're not too extreme. But there are companies that in the past have actually sold that block, but in a thicker version, including okay. with that sort of leveler, for lack of a better term, that little piece that sticks out and wraps around the initial uh, thin layer to sort of keep that knee stack stable and level. So there's options out there. Um, and like I said, it's, I mean, it's not just as it, the reason it ease your hip is because it doesn't, you don't have as much internal rotation. The other thing that does is it makes it easier to get a wider butterfly flare mm -hmm. as well. And it doesn't have to be knee stacks, right? You could wear uh, a second set of knee pads underneath your your regular ones. We started with the G-Form ones when we saw Thomas and Price using them. Uh, there's a number of different options there as well. Yeah, and we I may I remember I remember giving those G form knee pads to a goalie. He'll remain nameless. He was in the American League at the time. Liked them so much for the padding. But also for, like you said, they, they tended to make you a little taller. And then a couple of weeks later, he asked me if there's any way I could get two more for them. I found out he was wearing three under there. Pretty much gave him an extra inch on awesome. his knees. And uh, there are some guys that do that. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, wider butterfly fair, flare, easier to get it. But you're right. It's also, as Maria said, it's uh, it's it makes it easier on your hips. It lessens the strain on your hips. And that's a positive. So it's not cheating. It's all for the medical exactly. benefits. Exactly. You should get a waiver like uh, Chara gets on a super long stick. Let's do it. Uh, that, that was a lot of fun. Uh, it's all about uh, the climb, the journey, and today uh, we went to the top of the mountain. Thanks for listening to In Goal Radio, the podcast, uh, brought to you by the Hockey Shop, Source for Sports and Story. Check it out, thehockeyshop.com.